<laughs> oh, man. Hey, this is awesome. I'm glad you guys are here. Um, stoked to be here with y'all um, right before the holiday. Y'all excited? Sweet. Thank you, Lord. Um, yeah, thank you, Lord, um, just for everybody that's here. Um, I pray that you would just, uh, yeah, just give us open eyes, open ears, and open minds to hear what you have to say to us, God. Um, yeah, we just, we need your truth, and we need to, and we need to hear from you, Father. Um, so Holy Spirit, would you just speak, and um, yeah, help us to, help us to hear your voice. We love you, and you never pray, amen. Um, cool, so I don't know what peeps have to do with anything. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, unfortunately, that's, that's kind of true. Um, but yeah, have you guys ever heard anything, heard of something happen that's just like absolutely not fair? Do y'all know, do y'all have anything that comes to mind? Um, there's like, uh, like a lot of people might think of like, uh, sport team, like cheating or something like that. Um, I don't think the Braves cheat, but I know the Astros have been caught cheating, but I think everybody in baseball probably does. Um, or this is like kind of going from like not that bad to like worse things. It's people being convicted of a crime that they're um, innocent of, right? Y'all heard that? They get locked up or whatever. Um, something that kind of comes to mind for me is like, this is like the most extreme example like in every situation, but it is really what kind of came to mind was um, like in World War II, like the Holocaust, people were being like um, captured and, and tortured and killed just for trying, for being a certain way or for trying to help someone who's that way. So they're, they're being hospitable or they're being kind and, and out of that kindness, you know, think about like Schindler and Anne Frank and Corey Ten Boom, like all those people, um, it was pretty unfair, right? And so when we hear some stuff like this, um, does it make you feel anything? Like when you hear something about being unfair, does it make you feel anything? What does it make you feel? Angry, what else? Disheartened, that's a good word. What else? Frustrated, accurate, passionate, yeah, okay. Sad, mad, bad, right? Um, yeah, there, there's something in, I think when we think about like, unfairness or injustice or something in, in everybody that kind of has like a little bit of some type of feeling, right? Like we should have some type of reaction. And, uh, and so what we're going to be talking about tonight is like the Bible injustice. Okay. When the Bible talks about injustice, sometimes it's talking about like people being treated poorly, like oppression and, and all types of things like that. But the greatest injustice in all the earth is actually typically not talked about. And, and majority of the time, Bible talks about injustice. Um, it, it has to do with, with God being wronged, okay? Um, it actually has to do not with man being wronged, but it has to do with God being wronged. Um, and so when we're talking about justice, it can't be man-centered, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, there's things that happen to people. All those things are bad, blah, blah, blah. But, like, but really, like what, what comes to mind when you think about God being wrong? Like, have you thought about this? Like when you think about something being unfair, is God the one who's, who's like, um, the victim? Does that make sense? Um, so that's actually what we're going to be talking about tonight. I'm super pumped about it. Um, so think about it. Like, okay, well, how could God be wrong? Okay, he's good, he's caring, he's compassionate, and he's generous. 
And people lie about him. They lie about his character. They lie about what he said. They take advantage of people in his name. Um, they doubt his words, his actions. Um, and what does he do in return? How does God retaliate when things are unjust? He's consistent. He's still kind. He's still loving. He's still tenderhearted. He's still generous. He's still full of grace. He's still caring. Um, and, and so how does, that, how does that make you feel? Is it, is it the same thing? Is it, is it still that kind of like something welling up inside of me that's angry or, or mad or sad or disheartened or, or frustrated or passionate if God's being treated um, unfairly? Does that make sense? For real. I mean, I, I don't want to like doubt people, but I doubt that that's probably the first thing that comes to mind when some of this stuff happens, right? It's usually like, oh, I feel bad for that person. They don't know the truth. You know what I'm saying? Or they, I feel bad for that person because they're probably hurt or they are this way or that way. When really God is the one, not necessarily that deserves our pity, but um, who's, who's the victim in all of that. Does that make sense? Um, so this is a big deal. So tonight we're going to be talking about justice and mercy. Um, there's no, um, there's no twists and turns or anything tonight. Um, that's what we're going to be talking about. And so um, these are each these are each really, really, really big parts of God, God's character. A lot of times, I bet, there's, I, bet there's, um, I bet there's probably two types of people in this room right now. There's people who think of God mostly as being just, as being right, as being the law, as being um, um, fair, right? And then there's, there's other people in here tonight who think of God as being loving and merciful and gracious. And both those things are true, okay? Um, but tonight we're going to be talking about the cross and the cross really is the main thing and the, and the main idea that we can wrap our minds around that both justice and mercy are combined, okay? So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Does that sound okay? Sweet. And, and when we think about God, maybe some of us see God as being just and, and, and full of, you know, the law and justice. That's not wrong, okay? That's actually really true, um, but it's an incomplete view of who God is. Does that make sense? And then if we see, is, see God as, oh, man, he's so loving, he's so merciful, that's not wrong either. It's just an incomplete view of who God is. Does that make sense? So that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about both these things together. In the cross, guys, the cross is so important because in, in the cross, justice and mercy, neither one is elevated to a place that God never wanted it to be elevated to. So it's not too just it's not too merciful but neither are either one of those ideas cheapened okay so neither one is like is like dead and they're cheapened when it comes to that so um lauren that was an awesome story thanks for sharing um lauren mentioned hosea and that's where we're gonna look at first um so tomorrow if you haven't read hosea it will take you less than an hour you have no class read hosea it's awesome um yeah, it's really, really, really good. Um, if you haven't read it, I'm going to explain kind of like what happens in it really quickly, and then we're going to look at a couple of verses from it. But Hosea is a prophet, and um, he's unlike a lot of the other prophets, okay? A lot of the prophets in the Old Testament um, kind of come on the scene, and then the Lord gives them uh, like a message or like a, a, something to say, okay? And so he's like, hey, I want you to go tell these people this thing. Does that make sense? And then they do it, whether it's reluctant or not, that's kind of like what they do. Um, but Hosea, as far as I know, 
is uh, there was no like like sermon that the Lord gave him to go speak to these people. Okay, what he told him to do is to go get married, and that's like where it started. So he said, "Hey, I want you to go marry this girl. Her name's Gomer. That should be a red flag um, for anybody." Um, and kind of explains what what kind of girl this is. Her name is Gomer, um, and and so they get married, and then and basically God says all this beforehand. Okay, hey, this is what's going to happen. This is what she's going to be like, and says, "Go marry this girl. Her name's Gomer, and she is going to be unfaithful to you. And not only is she going to cheat on you, she's actually going to become um, a prostitute. Okay, like for real. And she's going to be she's going to bury children, but she's going to be a horrible mother. She's going to be a horrible wife. Like, is this y'all's?" Fairy tale hope, like, is this what you guys want the Lord to give you? Okay, good. That's good. My wedding is going to be so sad. Um, but for real, Hosea's was, okay? And he knew all this on the front end, okay? It sounds pretty crazy for God to tell someone to do this, but if God tells you to do something, you do it, right? Um, and so the whole point of this, this thing that God had Hosea do was to kind of, and you guys can see some parallels, okay, that makes sense. That's what God is like. That's what we're like to God. Does that make sense? Like, he's good. He marries us. He's faithful to us, and we're unfaithful to him. We go run, away, run around, run away for cheap things. We don't trust God for the, for the best things, and we look for um, anything else that we can kind of tie ourselves to, right? And so that's kind of the whole point of Hosea. But what really, like, man, what really hit me recently, within the past year or so, reading that book, is God's character through the whole thing. Usually, when I had read it before, and this is not wrong, when I had read it before, I was like, I'm Gomer, I'm the worst. You know what I'm saying? Like, And that's true, like honestly, like that's how we should read it. But the Lord really kind of showed me, hey, this is what I'm like through this book. It's not just about you, it's not just about what you're like, this is what I'm like, okay? And so, if you put yourself in Hosea's shoes, from what I just said, and then you put yourself in God's shoes because he's saying, hey, you're going to be like me. God's basically saying, Hosea, you're the prophet with a broken heart, right? You're the prophet with a broken heart. That means that God is the God with a broken heart and that he suffers. And he puts himself in situations that are risky, that, that aren't just going to pan out. He puts himself, he puts trust in people. He has hope for people that don't always pan out. And, and sometimes that means that, that he's hurt. Actually, most of the time, that means that, that God actually is hurt. Does that make sense? So in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 8, it says, um, it says this. It says, uh, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay? God's heart is all throughout the Bible. It's not just in Romans, New Testament, when we, when we see the cross. Like throughout the whole Bible, God has put himself out there to be hurt, okay? He's given himself an opportunity to be hurt and to be loved. It's a great representation of who he's always been. Jesus didn't come just to make an angry God feel better about what happened. He came to save his people from their sins. And the only way um, for that to happen is both full of justice and full of mercy, okay? And so when we're looking at the book of Hosea or the story of Hosea, um, man, it is just like, yeah, it's, it like, it blows my mind how much God suffers from what we do to him. Does that make sense? So kind of heavy. We'll be okay. Um, so in, so in Hosea chapter eight, verse 14, 
Um, is it up there? Oh, perfect. Uh, it says, for, for Israel has forgotten his maker and has built temples. Judah also has multiplied fortified cities, but I will send fire upon his cities, and it shall devour his palaces. And so it says, Israel has forgotten his maker. Maker is God, okay? Um, and forget means, it's not like forget, like, oh, I forgot about God. It's like, it actually what it means is mislay, okay? And so I, I mislay things constantly. My wife is amazing, and you would be appalled if you knew how many times I was like, hey, where are my keys? Like, where is my wallet? Like, I ask her where things are all the time. And basically what this is saying is, like, Israel has mislaid God, okay? And then it goes on to say that they build palaces and fortify cities. And, and that doesn't sound too bad. It's not like a nation, right, would probably build palaces and fortify cities. That seems like kind of like a wise thing to do. Um, but, but think about it like this. A palace for who? Who were they building a palace for? Their original supposed-to-be king was God, Right? And so they built this palace for some other guy who they wanted, you know, let's say, go back to the prostitute stuff. They wanted to put their trust in this king, put their hope in this king instead of putting their hope in God. Does that make sense? So they're building these, uh, they're building these palaces um, and then fortified cities, for and against two. They're fortifying these cities. Who was their original defender? Do you all remember? It was God, right? And so they're building these fortified cities. Man, before um, Israel became like this this big nation, they just were intense all the time, and God was their defender. They actually won more battles when they were in a tent with no fortified cities and all these types of things because the Lord went before them and won those, and won those battles for, for them. But now they're, building these, now they're building these fortified cities. They're building these palaces, and, and the sad thing is, like, this seems like normal, right? This seems like it's not a big deal, but God seems pretty upset about it, right? He's going to, like, send fire to them. But this is the deal. God's heart, it's not just anger in this, and we're going to talk about it in a second. It kind of just looks like he's mad about something. But God's ultimate desire for us is reconciliation, okay? He doesn't want things just to be a certain way because he thought it would turn out this way. He actually, he, he wanted to marry us. He wanted, us to, he wanted to pursue us, and he wants reconciliation. Um, in, in Hosea and uh, it has this verse, and Jesus actually quotes it in Matthew 9, chapter 13. He says, uh, he says, but go and learn what this means, okay? Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And, and, the, and the, the quote is, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. That's from Hosea. Basically, God's saying that like, his heart isn't against us. It's for us. And the main thing that he really wants is reconciliation um, or, or to be married again. Does that make sense? Like having a right relationship. Um, and so a, a big Bible word for this through the, through the Old and the New Testament is, um, is atonement. Okay. Have you all heard that word before? Okay. Do you know what it means? Okay. Um, it just means reconciliation. Uh, it's really, it's kind of corny, but I'm like, the king of corny, at one mint, okay, like being one with God, for real, and that sounds funny, but that's like a really good way to remember what atonement means, um, Hosea, God basically wanted, wanted 
him to marry Gomer to show him his heart for Israel, okay? And, and he's done it. He did it different ways. Think about the story of Jonah, okay? He basically said, hey, Jonah, I want you to go here and tell these people this thing, right? And Jonah reacted with anger. He didn't really have to do anything. He didn't have any skin in the game. He didn't bear three children with someone who's like a prostitute and, and all these types of things like Hosea did. And, and I think the point of that was to show us that God's not primarily angry with our sin, okay? He's not primarily angry with our sin. Actually, what he's mostly, his, his biggest reaction, his first reaction to our sin is grief, okay? So think about it. If, I, if I'm just trying to tell you if, you, if you hurt me and I'm trying to tell you something and I'm just angry at you, that's going to come across a lot different than if, if you hurt me and I'm like deeply saddened. Does that make sense? And so we need to have this right picture of what God's like. Um, and that is that, that my sin grieves God. Um, and that should really change everything. That should change how I look at God. That should change how I look at sin. That should change how I look at obedience. Um, that's why I'm, I've been so stoked to talk about this stuff in Hosea because I really think the Lord kind of opened my eyes to some of this stuff where it was like, oh, man, I didn't realize how much I just tried to get away with stuff. I thought my sin was something where I could just say, oh, you know, uh, what does it say? Like, uh, shoot, what's it say? Um, basically, like, you, it's not that you did something wrong. It's that you got caught, right? That's kind of how I treated God. It was like, oh, man, if I just don't get caught, I'll be okay, right? And, and I think that this whole thing is, is just talking about that's not necessarily true. God's, God's not dumb. He's not just out to get me. He's not a speed trap. You know what I'm saying? What he really is is like he's a loving, he's a loving in husband. He's a loving father. He's a loving God. And we say this a lot. When you break a law, you break a heart. Okay? When you break a law, you break a heart. It's not just about break a law, get in trouble, get the punishment, go on with your day. You know what I'm saying? It's when you break a law, you break a heart. And, and I think that's like centered around this idea of, of who God is. We also say this grief is proportional to intimacy, meaning uh, if I don't know you at all and you kind of diss me or something like that, it's probably just going to roll off, my, roll off my, my back, you know what I'm saying? But if, like, Christopher, one of my best friends, says something, like, really rude to me, I'm going to be really hurt by that, you know what I'm saying, especially if it's true. And so grief is proportional to intimacy. God puts himself in this position to be close to us, to be intimate with us. And so when we sin, his... his um, uh, capacity to be grieved is so high. Does that make sense? Like, like God actually can be hurt by us. And that's, that's something I think I've taken lightly. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think probably all of us have at least either not thought about it or we've taken it lightly before. Um, so yeah, Jose is awesome. He, he didn't, he didn't feel extreme anger towards the sin. He, he felt, uh, sadness and distress. And this is how God feels towards our sin. He's mostly saddened and distressed. And that's how we should be towards our own sin and sin from other people. Not something to be, um, um, yeah, like expectant of or just angry at. Like I think anger comes. Like if you know better, then I'm going to be angry. You know what I'm saying? But sadness should be and, and grief should be like the first move. Does that make sense? Um, uh, there's this movie, I, I can't, condu uh, I can't recommend it. I haven't seen it in like 15 years, 
So I don't know if it's any good or not. But I remember this one scene, and, uh, and it's got um, basically the movie's about these two friends, I think. And it's, it's my boy Leo, and his best friend is, um, what's his name? The Big Jack guy. Mark Wahlberg. And, uh, and they're, right? Mark Wahlberg. Oh, Basketball Diaries. It's called The Basketball Diaries. Yeah, no one's seen it. But, uh, but it's real. I can promise you it's real. And Leo's in it, so it's good. Um, and basically, they're these two teenage high school, like New Jersey private school basketball players, like stars, okay? So think like best in the country. And, and Leo is, you know, he's the, bad, he's the bad kid. He's got a dark side. And, uh, and he is, is really good at basketball, but he's getting in the wrong crowd, okay? And he's like, like doing drugs and like all this stuff. And so one night... He's out all night long or maybe several nights in a row partying and all this stuff. And he, and he goes back to his mom's um, apartment. And the way the scene is, is like it shows him and then it shows his mom. And then it shows him and it shows his mom. And, and his mom hears him coming down the hallway. And so she runs and she locks her door. Okay? So no one can, so he can't come into the apartment. And... And he's, he doesn't, have, you know, he's high and like all this stuff. And so he's not thinking anything of it. But she starts crying. Guys, I'm telling you, this scene, I think I watched it when I was like a sophomore. And I, I, I still like it. It hurts me to even think about it. That's why I never watched it. Don't watch it. It's sad. But, uh, but so, so, so Leo's like, oh, he's trying to get into his mom's house. And, and he can't. And she's crying. And he's like, mom, I'm your, you know, I'm your little boy. Like, like, how could you do this to me? Like, like anything. And, and basically, she's, she knows she's gonna, that he's going to take advantage of her. And she knows that he's going to go and hurt himself and, and continue to be destructive towards himself and, and other people. And, and, and then he, he starts to get angry. And she's just crying the whole time. And, uh, and he's like, Mom, you're a horrible mom. Like, you know, like cutting, cutting her down. You're a horrible mom. Um, you're all these different things. You don't love me. I thought you loved me. And she's just, I mean, man, it is like such a hurtful scene. But I always think about that because not at, one, at no point does she, does she try and defend herself. And at no point does it seem unloving. It actually seems like the right thing to do the whole time. And the truth is she does love him. She loves him so much that she's not going to let him continue to do this to himself and other people. And, and that really is how God is. Um, he, he loves us too much, man. And if there's anything you guys get from tonight, it really is like God loves you. And, and sin actually breaks his heart. It's not that he doesn't want you to have fun. It's not that he doesn't want you to experience life or pleasure or all these things that he loves you too much for you to do it in the wrong way. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, it's so good. So Jesus, Jesus is the true and greater Leo, obviously. He's the true and greater Hosea. Um, and so we're going to look at this uh, chapter in the Bible. Um, it's actually, I don't know if y'all know this, it's actually outlawed in certain parts of the world. Like this chapter specifically is left out of the Bible in specific parts of the world. Um, it's such an important chapter that people disagree on its legitimacy. It's one of the only chapters in the Bible that kind of puts me on my heels theologically. I'm like, oh, I think I got figured out. I think I got God figured out until I read this chapter, okay? Um, which is probably not true anyways, but uh, it will probably sound familiar to you 
But when you realize um, the, the oldest manuscripts of this, of this book were found, and they were basically like fact, They're, they were written over 150 years before Jesus was born, okay? And that means that's a manuscript. So the scroll of, a, of a Isaiah was actually written more than 150 years. I don't exactly know how many, but more than 150 years before Jesus was born. And you'll see why people kind of discredit this. Um, it'll probably sound familiar to you, but this is in fact a prophecy of the suffering of God's anointed one, the Messiah, okay? And so when we're looking at this stuff, it's Isaiah chapter 53. Um, for real, like some Bibles will skip this chapter. Like, like it's, it's trippy. Um, but I'm just going to read it, and uh, it's a big deal. So it says this. It says, Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no former comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked. But with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will provide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. That's who Jesus is. He's the one who bore our grief. He took God, he, he, he bore God's sorrow, and he took it, and, and he didn't deserve it, but he bore that grief for us so that we didn't have to. He carried our sorrows. This doesn't sound like someone who's angry to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, this sounds like someone who's, yeah, being treated unfairly. So that we could have atonement. So that we could be reconciled to God. Jesus did this. Does that make sense? Not really. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, right? But thank you, Lord. He was the one who took our place. The death, he took on the death we deserved in order for us to live the life we don't deserve. God got the short end of the stick. Okay? 
I'm grateful he's willing to risk his very life in order to win some. Personally, I'm grateful that he's willing to risk everything in order to win me to his family. When we talk about being unfair, man constantly is treated unfairly. We never get what we truly deserve. The consequences to our actions, our words, the things that we say, the things that we do, the, the thoughts that we have, we don't, get, we don't get reprimanded for that stuff enough. But God also rarely gets what he deserves. He rarely gets the souls that he gave, he gave his entire life for. He rarely gets the respect, the honor, the love. You know what I'm saying? Like, like both of us, it's an unfair life for man and for God. But Jesus is good. So um, if you're writing on some, a piece of paper, uh, just draw like a line in the middle. Um, and, you, and you can put this at the top. Uh, justice on one side and then mercy on the other. Are you guys okay? Sweet. I know it's a little heavy, but sometimes we got to talk about heavy stuff, and it's good, man. Sweet. Um, thank you, Lord. Um, so your view is of the cross is your view of law and mercy, okay? Like, what you think about the cross is what you think about law and mercy, okay? So on the justice side, we'll go through justice, and then we'll go through mercy in a second. Does that, that make sense? Cool. Um, so this is justice. When the law is executed in a society, it says that the judge is actually, when the law is executed in a society, it says that the judge is actually for you because he cares about the highest good. Does that make sense? So if there's like a penalty, that's actually a good thing. Does that make sense? Um, it might seem uh, kind of funny, but that's actually true. If the law doesn't have a sanction attached to it, then it's just advice, right? Um, most of us have probably, if you drive, have probably gone over the speed limit, right? The, probably because you didn't think you were going to get caught, okay? Um, and, and, and so, like, so like when we talk about law, there has to be, like, a sanction attached to it. If you're only focused on the justice of God, this is probably the minority of people in the room um, that are focused on the justice and righteousness of God, um, but this could be true, true. So if you're only focused on the justice of God, your God is too small, Okay? Um, this is a God with a short temper. Um, he has an, you know, he's, he's got like an eye for an eye. Everything needs to be exacted just so, okay? Um, this means like if this is our God, then we have a fear of punishment. Does that make sense? Like my motive to follow this God is a fear of punishment. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want you to be mad at me. I don't want you to, you know, find out what I did. Um, he's always looking for us to screw up. <laughs> God was so mad at you. That he took, that he had to beat up Jesus just to just to even like you, okay? So that's what that that's what that God would look like. Um, so this you can write this down. This is all law, okay? Only law. Is this good? Um, uh, this is justice, meaning that the law is upheld and strengthened, and that is a good thing, but it's incomplete. Does that make sense? So the law is upheld, it's strengthened, all law. No, no humanity side of it. It's just written word, you know, letter of the law. Okay. Um, this would be like a distant, powerful God, like, uh, like in, in the Muslim faith, faith, like Allah is like an all-justice God. Okay. Um, on the other side of your paper, you can look at the side of mercy. Um, this is probably where the majority of us are going to kind of um, lean towards. Um, maybe we see God as all merciful. Um, some would say that this is the loving way. It ignores the law 
and gives people a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, ninth, you know what I'm saying, chance um, for, their, for their heart to change. And, and hopefully, Corey uh, taught me a bunch of stuff this past weekend, uh, hopefully rehabilitation sets in, even though it's not going to, okay? Um, this is... This, is, this would be like Leo's mom letting him in, into the apartment. Oh, man, I know this is the 90th time that you stole money from me and went and bought drugs, but this time you'll probably change. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, this is what our, our view of God is. Um, this is uh, justice that looks like um, what mercy should look like would be um, if, if a man did a, a crime that got him 5 to 10, Right? And, and, he's, and he's in jail for 10 years, or prison for 10 years. And um, nine years, and he's great. He's a, he's a perfect inmate, good behavior, you know what I'm saying? And nine years in, this isn't real, but it's going to be sad, okay? Um, his wife gets sick, and she dies, okay? And they got two kids. One's 12, one's 10. And they don't have, their, their dad's been in prison their whole life. Their mom's dead. What does the judge do? He says, hey, I put you in here for 10 years. Mercy would say, you've done good enough, right? You've done good enough. For the most part, justice was served. I'm not going to let these kids, you know, go into the system or be orphans or whatever. You're going to be, be able to let out. Does that make sense? That, that would be mercy. Justice would be like, hey, we said 10 years, okay? So you got a year left. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it, it's kind of one or the other. Um, but what if you had mercy and, and ignored the law every time? That's fair. That's like real mercy. But what if you're like, oh man, come on, God, you didn't really mean you'd have to punish me on this one. You know what I'm saying? Like, would you really learn your lesson? Would rehabilitation or, or, um, atonement really be able to happen? Like reconciliation. Does that make sense? You'll see what I'm saying? Um, so what if you had mercy and ignored the law every time? Then just like in the, in the all-justice one, your God's too small, okay? Your God's too small. This would be Buddy Jesus, um, the good old boy, big guy upstairs. You know what I'm saying? Like, like this would be the God that we, that we serve. Um, he's the God of high street. Um, he, he understands. Come on, God, I got to have some fun. Four more years. You know, I only got four years to do what I want, and then I'll, and then I'll really give my life to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the God of all mercy. Does that make sense? Only merciful, no law. Um, basically, it's Santa, okay? Um, and, and the reason that I serve this God and, and the reason that I'm going to um, listen to him is because I hope that I get something out of it. Does that make sense? So I'm hoping for a reward versus a fear of punishment. Um, and, and basically, with this idea of mercy, is just the wrong idea of love. It's the same word, but it's, it's, not, it's not real love, okay? Um, so we take God, if, if it's all merciful, we take God and make him more like a man. We make him in our own image. Sean would call this a real idolatry, making, taking God and making him into, into something less. So this is, this is the opposite of all law. This is all love, okay? All love. This is mercy. And this is right, meaning the criminal is pardoned and knows the judge cares about them, Okay? Hey, I'm, I'm a human. Like, you got to have compassion. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's a good thing, but it's incomplete. Does that make sense? Okay, so both of these things, I'm not disparaging mercy or justice, but it has to have some kind of tie-in. 
So neither of these views, one is about hope of, of reward. One is about, hey, if I, if I follow all the rules, then God's going to give me the wife I want. God's going to give me the job I want. God's going to give me the life that I, that I hope for, right? Versus um, fear of punishment. The, the main reason I'm going to follow God is um, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to go to hell. You know what I'm saying? Neither of these views are the gospel. The only gospel way to view God is love and trust, okay? It has to be, that's why I say this, the cross is the marriage of mercy and justice. The cross of Christ. At the cross of Christ, the law was strengthened, mercy was shown, and reformation of the guilty was ensured. In no other, in no other um, situation, no other circumstance could all three of those things actually happen. Does that make sense? The law was strengthened and upheld. Mercy was shown and the reformation of the guilty was ensured. God really wanted to be reconciled. He wanted atonement. Jesus was the way that all three of these things could be met and his heart shown truly and clearly to us through his son. The point of the incarnation for Jesus to become a man and, and walk with us, the point of Christmas is Easter, okay? The point of the incarnation is atonement. That God had to correct these views, the, the, the small views we have of God that he's all-powerful or all-full-of-justice or all-law or that he's all-merciful and he's all these things, he had to correct both all these views of the cross. When you understand the atonement rightly, when we, we need the Lord to help us understand this. When we understand the atonement rightly, you understand justice and mercy, okay? Not one or the other. And then your motive can be finally realigned. Um, Band, you guys can come on up. Um, your view of the cross will determine how you treat God the rest of your life, okay? When we talk about Hosea, when we talk about uh, the cross of Christ, when we talk about all these things, this is the hard truth that I, that I have been praying for, that love is not equal to happiness, okay? Love is not equal to happiness. Does that make sense? What I mean by that is God loves you unconditionally okay please don't hear harshness in my voice when I say these things okay like God really does love you and we talk to, to our friends um, people that that aren't reconciled to God oh I can live any way I want because God still loves me right and that's not true you can't do anything to make God love you anymore you can't do anything to make God love you any less there's nothing that you can change about God's love towards you okay but that doesn't mean that you're right with him, okay? That doesn't mean that he's happy. That doesn't mean that you're atoned. That doesn't mean that you're reconciled. Does that make sense? The love is there. That, that is the whole point of what we've been talking about with Hosea and Jesus and all these different things. God loves you, and there's more to it than that, okay? Does that make sense? Like, like there's more to it. So love is not equal to happiness. God's love for you is unconditional. Also, justice and the law is unconditional. It's been written. The Bible says that, that the law has actually been written on our hearts. And so when we, we have consciences, right, and if they haven't been jacked up by us continuously going against them, then, then God's laws are actually written on, on each of our hearts. So justice and law is unconditional, just like God's love. On the other hand, sadness, joy, favor, and mercy are all conditional, okay? You still can't earn them, 
but you can affect them. Does that make sense? Okay, so sadness, joy, favor, and mercy is conditional. When God shows mercy on you, it's forever, but it comes at a price. God does love everybody in here, but God is not going to show mercy on everybody in here. Does that make sense? And that's like a, that is a harsh, hard thing for me to say, but it's true. And the Bible says it, and we need to understand this. God loves you, but he doesn't have to show you mercy. And when he does show you mercy, it goes on forever. But the option to have mercy shown to any one of us will run out, okay? The option to have mercy shown. When you die, you don't have any more options to be reconciled to God. When, you, when, 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 when Jesus comes back, there's no more options to be reconciled to God. He still loves you. He still cares for you. He still wants to be reconciled, but he can't be, okay? So we need to, we need to kind of get our minds around this. God loves you. Some of us, he's reconciled with. We have atonement, and he's happy. Some of us, he's still grieved for, and he wants you to have relationship and friendship with him. Does that make sense? Like this, is a, this is a big thing, and, and I pray, I pray, I pray that when you guys are home for Easter, and they're having their play, or they're having their sermon, or whatever they do at your church, um, or if you don't go to church, that this is what hits you most, because this is the truth of Easter. This is the truth of the cross. Jesus wasn't, um, he didn't die because God killed him, okay? And he also didn't die because, because people killed him either. Jesus died of a broken heart, okay? Um, his heart was broken. He, he bore our grief, just like we read. He bore our grief. He, he took on our iniquity, and, and he died of a broken heart. And because Jesus died of a broken heart, he wants you to, too. He wants our heart to be so broken over sin that we choose to die for him. We choose to die to ourselves. We choose to give him our lives, and we choose to um, be reconciled to him and, and atoned with him forever. Our motivation for any of this stuff, whether it's um, obedience, whether it's doing the right thing, whether it's fairness, whether it's justice or mercy, has to be God's happiness. We need to be looking out for his best interest, thinking of him more highly than ourselves. The wrong motive would be, um, uh, if, oh, if I stop sinning, then think of all the joy you have, right? Like, oh, just think of how much happier you could be if you just give your life to Jesus. That's a wrong motive, actually. Um, or if you stop sinning, then, then you won't get these, all these different like diseases or something like that. Like that's still selfish. But if we think about it as, man, if I, if I actually obey God and I'm reconciled to him, then he'll be happy. That's pretty amazing. Like, like motivation to make God happy is like pretty amazing. The scariest thing I can, one of the scariest things I can think of, um, is like if, if I could envision, um, Katie, like broken and weeping over something that I did. You see what I'm saying? Like someone that I love, someone that I've given my life to and, and promised and, and, and to walk with and, and to take care of, if I did something to break her heart, um, that seems terrifying. And, that's, and that really is like what we do when we sin. That is what it looks like to, for us when we don't obey God. This is what we can see on the cross we can see God's happiness towards us. It should change the way our motivation is. It changes from, oh man, I, I, don't, I don't have to go to hell anymore 
to I don't want to hurt God anymore. I don't want to break his heart because I love him. Does that make sense? Like, I want to make God happy. God had to find a way to keep us from a life of sin and keep us in a right love relationship with him. And the only way to do that was the cross. It's the only way. So God has never left you. Um, He never left Hosea. If there's any sin or if there's any disobedience, it's always been like us turning away from him. It's not him turning away from us. If there's any been brokenness in relationship with God, it's always been initiated, executed, everything by us, not by God. Um, and, and he always keeps pursuing, man. He, yeah, God, God, thank you, Lord, that, that he is not into fairness. Um, so, yeah, basically tonight, um, I want to do three things. Um, just as we're worshiping, if, um, if, any, if any of this is um, new to you or if you had a wrong idea of God and, and the Lord has spoken to you and it's corrected or changed or, or um, like cast light on more of who God is, um, that's, worth, that's worth worshiping about. That's, like, that's worth like really being stoked about. And so... Um, yeah, I think a big part of coming up to the front or coming out to the aisles or whatever is, um, we'll call it an altar and, uh, it's, it's A-L-T-A-R, right? And when we talk about that, that's where something goes to die. Katie says that all the time. Um, but also the other idea of altar is like changing, right? And so it's A-L-T-E-R. When we come to the altar, we can be altered. Our life can be changed forever. And so I think, yeah, three different things that I want to see happen tonight is uh, three groups of people. If you fall into that, like, hey, this is amazing. Like, this is the greatest hope that I ever had. I thought that I had to make God happy, or I thought that I had to to hide my stuff from God. I thought that that he was just out to get me. Um, Or, whoa, I didn't realize, like, this actually, that he actually takes sin seriously. Like, please come to the front and get right with God. Like, there are, like, there is no better place to do that than here with your friends. Don't do it alone. It's not a secret to be, um, to be made right with God. And, and so, yeah, please come to the front. And then if they're, the, then the other two kind of groups of people, if you fall into someone who sees God as all justice, like let him minister to you. Like let him show you how much he loves you, how much he cares for you, how much he's for you, and, and, and how much he, he really wants to have a relationship with you. And not just follow the rules, okay? Follow the rules for the right reason. And then, and then the third group would just be if you are someone who sees God as all loving and that what I do doesn't matter and he'll understand and, and he wants me to have a good time. Like, like, we need to repent of that. Does that make sense? Like, we need to repent of our small ideas of God. We need to repent of our wrong ideas of God. And so, yeah, there's going to be people, you know, if you come to the front, if you see someone come to the front, like, please come pray with them. Um, this is this is called ministering to each other, and when and when people are meeting with God, give them a little space and then pray with them because they're our brothers and our sisters. Um, so yeah, we're gonna worship, um, but just don't don't remain unchanged. Like I don't think God wants any any one of us to to just stay the same. Thank yeah, sweet you came. You could have done literally anything else. You don't have school tomorrow. <laughs> don't come in here and, and and leave unchanged. Does that make sense? Like your mind, your heart. And your relationship with God should grow somehow tonight. Okay? Sweet. So I'm going to pray. And then um, I'm going to give Katie the iPad. 
um, and then uh, and then we can uh, worship and, and we can be ministered to by the Lord. Jesus, we love you, God. Um, yeah, just thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you are so much bigger than we could ever imagine. Thank you that you are so much better than we could ever imagine, Lord. Um, thank you for your cross. Thank you for your humility, Jesus, to be um, willing to to risk everything um, to gain and win us for you, Father. We love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you, God. You never pray. Amen.